Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and our free 633 event when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael and his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 called The Order of the Resurrection. So we are in 1 Corinthians 15. We're going to talk about the order of the resurrection as we continue to move verse by verse through 1 Corinthians, the order of the resurrection. So if you go ahead and find 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to pick it up in verse 20. If you are physically able to stand, would you stand with me as we read the word? 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, 1 Corinthians 15, 21, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, after that those who are Christ at his coming. Then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to the God and Father, when he abolished all rule, when he has abolished all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy that will be abolished is death. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is accepted who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, so that God may be all in all. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts. You may be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this wonderful, incredible congregation of saints and new visitors who have come to this place to hear your word, to hear a word in a chapter about resurrection, about the timing of the resurrection. When will it happen? How long, Lord, until this great dilemma of death is finally vanquished? Oh, when we think of this subject of death, when we think about what's happened in our country Um, with tragedies, when we think about loved ones that we have said goodbye to or at least see you later. This is the ultimate dilemma. And the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus, you said, because I live, you will live also. Paul said, why do any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead. Lord, you spoke the universe into existence. You hold it together by the word of your power. And you will raise your people to everlasting life. We have the down payment of that promise, the precious Holy Spirit who lives in us. And we look forward to a day when death will be no more. When you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. The former things will have passed away. Lord, help us to hold on to our faith. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. May your word pour down like rain upon your people. May it bring growth and refreshment 
and strength. In Jesus' name and for your glory and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Sigmund Freud, who was the founder of psychiatry, wrote, And finally, there's the painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has yet been found nor probably ever will be, close quote. Can you imagine if the universe was to go on forever with no end to death and no remedy to death? Do you know that there are people in our culture today, people who study in uh, universities and even the Bible has become their subject of a lifelong venture of study, the original languages, the history, the peoples of the Bible, who have tried to make a living by debunking the resurrection. And those of you who have looked at this subject before from an apologetic standpoint, that is to defend the historic view of resurrection, know that their attempts have failed miserably. They've tried to come up with swoon theories And maybe Jesus had a twin, and maybe everybody who saw the risen Christ was having a mass hallucination. That's the best that they got. But the Bible emphatically is a story about resurrection. In fact, if you were to remove the resurrection from the New Testament accounts, the New Testament Testament itself would be mutilated. It would make no sense. If you're a Christian today, you are a person who believes in the resurrection. Whether or not you know that, whether or not you've studied that in depth, that is what we believe. Jesus said, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it again. And he did. He rose from the dead in the very history in which we are embedded. The empty tomb shouts to us through the corridors of time, that because Christ lives, you will live also. Each of us have had to face these moments. I've had to face them many, many times as a pastor where I've walked with a family, sometimes in processional, often to a graveyard. Sometimes there's been a hole there. And that family member has had to deal with the reality of death. And it is a hard reality. But one time I remember I was at a cemetery and I told the people, I said, you know that hole in the ground there, that hole is not the end of the story. That hole will become a doorway to life. The graveyard, death, does not have the final word. Jesus does. Because he's the author of life. Amen? You see, it was impossible for death to hold him because he's the prince of life. He spoke the universe into existence. He breathed life into Adam, and he is going to raise the dead. Those who are in the tombs are going to hear the voice of the Son of God, John chapter 5, and some will rise to a resurrection of life and others to a resurrection of condemnation. The Bible is a story about a living Christ, a Christ who says, trust in me, even in the face of this terrible power of death itself. Freud and all others like him were wrong. And 1 Corinthians 15 is a power-packed chapter, an argument, and apologetic for the resurrection and its grand implications. Not one of you who have come into this place today or will hear my voice later are not impacted by 
this reality of the resurrection of Jesus and your response to the truth. Because if you believe that Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved. The gospel is incomplete without the empty tomb and the resurrection. Yes, we focus on a blood-stained cross, but that's not the end of the story. Friday happened, but Sunday morning was the coming. And the tomb was empty. And the angel said, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's alive, just like he told you he would be. And even the apostles, who couldn't believe it for joy, Jesus invited them, look at my hands, touch me and see. A spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And Thomas the doubter said, my Lord and my God. Thomas, blessed are you. You've, you've seen me and you've believed. But blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. And that's you and me. Jesus Christ is alive. And Paul is going to argue that since Jesus has been raised from the dead to all of those who are questioning the resurrection in Corinth and maybe even in Corona, there's a chronological order that exists between the resurrection of Christ and the last day's resurrection. Christ's resurrection cannot be viewed in isolation. It is a foretaste of what is ahead. Turn in your Bible to the book of Matthew. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Matthew 27. This is an incredible scene that happens uh, as Jesus pays the ransom price on the cross. Look at Matthew 27. There's all kinds of incredible events that surround the death and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice, Matthew 27, 15, and yield up his spirit, yielded up his spirit. And behold, 27, 51 of Matthew, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. And the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 15. Now this particular text perplexes some people. They're like, what happened? Well, after Jesus was resurrected, there was a foretaste of coming attractions. And that is that many holy people, godly people, came out of their tombs and were raised. What happened to them afterwards? Something like Lazarus. They probably lived. Maybe they were Christians in the first century and were raised as a foretaste and then died again like Lazarus. But they appeared to many people and this was confirmation to that first century crowd that the resurrection has implications beyond just Jesus, as incredible as his resurrection is. It has a train. He's leading a train that follows him to life. And this ultimate dilemma of death will be dealt with. It's the last enemy that will be destroyed. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. And that's what we all wonder. You know, some of us who have been living for quite some time and we hear about the second coming of Jesus Christ, you know, there's some days when we're like, come Lord Jesus, come. And there's other days where we're like, can you put it off for a couple of weeks? Things are pretty good right now. And then the next day, come Lord Jesus, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. 
then you turn the news off. Ah, maybe it's not so bad. (laughs) You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael Lance and his guest Seth Gruber at the next 633 event on March 22nd. Why do we believe what we believe about protecting life? Well, this event, 633 with Seth Gruber, is going to help equip you to know how to make a rational, reasoned defense for life. You can do it from science, you can do it from logic, but you can also use the Word of God, of course, to make these compelling arguments. Register for the next free 633 event with Seth Gruber on March 22nd. Visit walkintruth.com, click on events, or call 844-48-TRUTH. Well, folks, this is Pastor Michael, and hey, I want to express my appreciation on behalf of the staff of Walk in Truth, and uh, just the... The wonderful things that have been going on in this radio ministry. Many of you have reached out to us recently. You've uh, joined us in listening to podcasts. You've given to the ministry, and we deeply appreciate it. And I have to tell you that this is not my favorite topic, but we have to talk about it, and it is the topic of money. And here's the deal. We are at our fiscal year as a ministry, and so we look at everything, and we have to look at what radio stations we're going to remain on And just to be blunt with you, we're going to have to make some tough decisions unless we get more support. And so if you've been thinking about supporting us, if you're able to give us either monthly support or a one-time gift that could help boost us, we want to add and we don't want to subtract. And I'm just putting it on the table here. But um, we do have to make some tough decisions if we don't have more support. And so that's just the way it is. That's the reality of life. That's the reality of that radio time does cost. And so if you're being blessed by this program, I'm just going to ask you to prayerfully consider reaching out to us today. We do need to hear from you soon uh, because we are going to be making some decisions about uh, where we continue to broadcast. So reach out to us at walkintruth.com. You can give online there, walkintruth.com, or call us at 844-48-TRUTH. Would you also do me a favor and be praying? Be praying that God will give us wisdom on what we should be doing and be praying that the Lord would bring in the support so that we can keep going. We we have a passion to do what we're doing. We deeply appreciate your partnership with us. So reach out to us. We'd appreciate it. Walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. We appreciate you very much. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, Back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. They entered the holy city and appeared to many. Turn back to 1 Corinthians 15. Now this particular text perplexes some people. They're like, what happened? Well, after Jesus was resurrected, there was a foretaste of coming attractions. And that is that many holy people, godly people, came out of their tombs and were raised. What happened to them afterwards? Something like Lazarus? They probably lived, maybe they were Christians in the first century and were raised as a foretaste and then died again like Lazarus. But they appeared to many people and this was confirmation to that first century crowd that the resurrection has implications beyond just Jesus, as incredible as his resurrection is, it has a train. He's leading a train that follows him to life. And this ultimate dilemma of death will be dealt with. It's the last enemy that will be destroyed. It's not a question of if. It's a question of when. 
And that's what we all wonder. You know, some of us who have been living for quite some time and we hear about the second coming of Jesus Christ, you know, there's some days when we're like, come Lord Jesus, come. And there's other days where we're like, can you put it off for a couple of weeks? Things are pretty good right now. And then the next day, come Lord Jesus, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Then you turn the news off. Ah, maybe it's not so bad. (laughs) And the reason is, is because we live in a fallen world. And we have glimpses of beauty and glory. We enjoy what God has given us. But we know that ultimately this place is still under a curse. There were some that were saying that that curse will never be remedied. And to say that there's no resurrection is really a mockery. It's a mockery of God. It's a mockery of Christ. It's a mockery of Old Testament saints, the disciples, and all Christians for all time. That's what last week was all about. How can you say there's no resurrection? If there's no resurrection, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then you're still in your sins. And we, of all people, should be most pitied. But we don't have to be pitied. Because Christ is alive. He is risen. He is risen indeed. I know it's August, but we can still celebrate the resurrection. It doesn't have to be Easter to get excited. See, verse 20 says, but now, 1520 of 1 Corinthians, but now Christ, what your Bible say, has been raised from the dead. And he is the first fruits of those who are asleep. Now, what does it mean for those who are asleep? Well, it means those have died. Look at uh, chapter 15, look at verse 6. It says, after that, He, Jesus, appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of them whom remain until now, but some have what? Fallen asleep. Some are alive. Fallen asleep in the Christian thought is a way to depict believers who have died. The body looks like it's sleeping, but they have gone to be with the Lord. Look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians 15, 18 says, Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If there's no resurrection, then they who have died in Christ have perished. But, of course, we know they haven't. We know in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And some of you may be wondering, well, what happens in the interim? If there's a time when there is going to be a resurrection and rapture, what happens in the interim time? What if I've lost a loved one in Christ? Where are they now? Job, who goes through his terrible suffering, even asks that question, where are they? Where, you could say it this way, where are my children that died when the roof collapsed in the house? Where are they? And that's answered in the New Testament when we see verses like to be absent from the body is to be at home with the Lord. Here's a good illustration. Imagine that you were driving in your car and you got in a terrible accident and you walked away but your car was totaled. In one sense, your car would end up in some sort of car graveyard or junkyard. Your car will be totaled, but you walked away from it. Your body is simply a vehicle for your soul. Your body, at one point, should the Lord tarry, should he not come in our lifetime, your body will will be totaled. (laughs) Can I get a, oh, maybe not. Don't say amen to that. What do you mean I'm going to be totaled? Total bummer, man, right? But we all know we're moving toward the day 
when the sticker will be applied, totaled. <laughs> and we're going to end up in a place, but a place that anticipates resurrection or renewal. The car is going to get a makeover. But in this case, the car is a poor analogy because it's going to, we're going to live and we're never going to die again. The guarantee that the body will be awake, awakened in the resurrection of Jesus, the spirit is with the Lord, but the body looks like it's sleeping until that day of resurrection. Jesus, notice in verse 20, is called the first fruits. But now Christ has been raised from the dead and he is the first fruits of those who are asleep. I just want to mention before I get into the idea of first fruits that Jesus Christ said these words. Write this down for your notes. This is Mark 10, 33 and 34. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, Jesus, will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes. They will condemn him to death and will deliver him to the Gentiles of the Romans. And they will mock him, Mark 10, 34, spit upon him, scourge him and kill him. And three days later, Jesus says, he will rise again. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ is not a literal bodily resurrection from the dead, then Jesus lied. But he prophesied his own death and resurrection in detail. Therefore, any scholar that you see on some channel who's pontificating or waxing elephants, as it were, waxing eloquent, never mind, Oh, the resurrection is simply a metaphor. Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. It's a metaphor for a deeper message of the struggle between the Jews and the Romans and that the Jewish nation would rise. Uh, uh, uh. The resurrection is an account of a clinically dead body that came out of the tomb alive. Enough with the nonsense. Enough. Because if the resurrection is not true, then Jesus was not telling the truth. The prophecy is wrong. He's a false prophet, and you can't follow him. But the fact that he prophesied his resurrection and then backed it up is one of the reasons why I'm a follower of Jesus. I ain't seen anybody else doing that. Amen? You kill me, and in three days, I'm going to rise. And he did it. And even his enemies had to try to pay off the guards to say that the disciples stole the body. Spurgeon says, If Jesus rose, then the gospel is what it professes to be. If he rose not from the dead, then it is all deceit and delusion. You're listening to The Order of the Resurrection, Part 1 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 28. Remember, our goal is to equip you so you have an answer for your faith in Jesus Christ. Are your friends, family, or coworkers asking you questions about Christianity? Are they questions you're having a hard time answering? Well, we'd love to help you with those answers. Email your questions to this address, answers at walkintruth.com, and Pastor Michael will answer your question using the Word of God. Again, the email is answers at walkintruth.com. Or you can write us a letter the old-fashioned way at P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. Again, our mailing address is P.O. Box 2063, Corona, California, 92878. And we look forward to hearing from you. Now back to Pastor Michael. 
Well, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is an essential of the historic Christian faith. You may ask why. Well, the reason why is because Jesus said, destroy this temple that is my body, and in three days I will raise it up again. Jesus was raised, according to Romans 4, for our justification. And the resurrection is the proof that Jesus is who he said he is, and that he is God in human flesh, and that death doesn't have the final say. Now, that's just a few reasons why the resurrection of Jesus Christ is essential, and it is the most reliable historical event, really, in antiquity, when you look at the four Gospels and the evidence from the eyewitnesses. Well, this resurrection of Jesus Christ is what we're talking about here on Walk in Truth, but we have another important topic we're addressing at a special 633 event with guest speaker Seth Gruber, and it's on the issue of life or specifically life issues. It's March the 22nd, Sunday evening, 633 at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. We're at 1009 Arsenal Way in Corona, and we'd love to know that you're going to come and get more equipped on defending life, knowing what you believe and why you believe it, giving a rational reason defense for the pro-life position. And we all need to be reminded and get more equipped in that so that we can share that with others. Call us at 844-48-TRUTH or go to walkintruth.com and click on the events tab. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you. We'll catch you next time. Tune in Monday for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 called The Order of the Resurrection. I'm Mike Massaro. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.